That's the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. Right, you are the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. It's Thursday, the 23rd of September, 2021. Lead story in today's Daily Dispatch. Shock 920 million rand overtime for Eastern Cape Health staff. Taxpayers in the Eastern Cape paid almost a billion rand for government employees' overtime in the 2020-2021 financial year. A report presented in Parliament recently revealed that government departments in the province had dished out over 989 million rand in overtime payments. The broken, struggling health department accounted for more than 922 million rand of the total amount, while provincial treasury claimed the least, just over 5,000 rand. Also on the front page of today's dispatch, neighbours band together as burglaries spike in Beacon Bay. Beacon Bay residents are on high alert after a spate of house burglaries with the latest two happening near each other on Wednesday morning. Those are the headlines in today's Daily Dispatch. For more, go to dispatchlive.co.za. What would you do with 50,000 rand? Win your share of 100,000 rand when you enter the Daily Dispatch Cashmania competition. You could win the grand prize of 50,000 rand or one of 20 cash prizes of 2,500 rands each. The competition closes on the 26th of September 2021 and an entry form is printed at the Daily Dispatch every day. Get your copy of the Daily Dispatch and enter now. Daily Dispatch, local, fearless, empowering you. Recently covered in the Daily Dispatch almost a month ago, the tragic incident of two babies dying in the same crash on the same day in Southernwood, East London. Kualeshwa Ndongeni and Ezam Tabeng were the two babies aged five and six months respectively who passed away mysteriously at the crash. A month later, their devastated parents are nowhere near finding out what took their little lives. We are joined this morning by Mildred Tabeng. Mildred was the mother of Ezam Tabeng. Mildred, our condolences on recent events. How are you and the family coping? Good morning. Morning. Thank you so much for the condolences. Um... We are still in shock and confusion and we can't even begin the grieving process or what my one call healing process at all because we don't know what happened and it's hard for us to move anywhere or even forward or backwards but we just lost and I, I don't know what to do anymore to resolve this or to I don't know what to do I won't lie. So you don't know yet what the cause of your baby's death was we don't know yet we don't know yet before we buried before i buried my daughter i opened a case at fleet street police station i was asked to open a case because there was suspicion of foul play uh detected during the first autopsy so they had to do second autopsies uh test on my baby so they had to open her twice and I consent to that, saying that I want to know. You know, I was scared to see her with a little bit of cut or whatever, but I was saying that I need to be strong. However, she'll come back from the second autopsy, accepted as long as I can find the truth. So um, we request, they, took, they did that, and now from the police station, we were told that we should await a call with these results. Even today, we're still waiting for the call. And I did a bit of um, follow-up by calling the police station again, trying to find out who's the detective that the case is under. And finally, I reached her, 
after reaching here, I asked her, what's going like? What's the procedure? You're saying my daughter's death is under investigations. What investigations are you doing? Because nobody's calling me. Sure. I don't know what's going on. Have you been to the daycare? Have you interviewed anybody? I don't know. Like, what under investigations are you guys referring to? Because every day I have to wake up, go to work, no call, nothing. I just wanted to know. And she just told me that the autopsy results will be coming in on the 28th of September. So hopefully that they will break something or will bring something different from what we are facing now. Have you had the opportunity to bury your young one yet? Yes, we have. We have. We did that on the Sunday of that week. Uh, she died on a Tuesday and we buried her on the Sunday of that week. Of I think that was the first week of September. And uh, the costs involved, I would imagine, came as a bit of a surprise for you as well? Yeah, it was draining. It was even today. It's like um, we don't know how to how what to do. It's like I don't want to sound. You know, when you're grieving, people can assume many things, and they mm. tend to predict how you feel. They tend to predict mm. anything you do is like a robot mode. They will say, "Oh, I have read that book," and grieving parents tend to be more angry or blaming or what. But we are human beings, and we are entering this world of parents who have lost children. And we have the only thing we know about is seeing the news and reading something about something like this happening. But leaving it, it's a totally different world. And you just feel so isolated and alone at the same time that you have to face your everyday bills. We're still like now struggling to even think about how we're going to pay for. Um, I have two daughters. My first one is six years old. And she's in a daycare herself, but that is a, it's like grade art. Next year she'll be going to grade one. But just thinking about, I have to pay rent, I have to pay the school fees. I have to say, like, it kills you more that you have to be committed to this while you, the world's just unfair to you, you yeah, know? Yeah. And you don't know how to do that again. You don't know how to go wake up, go to work. You don't know how to just regain that sense of normality and having people to send you messages telling you that you are due on this, you are due on this, it it kills you. It kills you and it also kills you that you can't reach out to anyone to help you to say, you know, pause on this and focus on that. Like you have to wake up, you have to call the detective, you have to mourn your child, you have to look at the child's picture at the same time and as a mom, I can't believe that she's gone. Like I would do anything to just kiss them or hug them or and get a chance to speak to her again, but I can't. Yeah, it's a terribly, terribly tragic situation. You know, in the English language, I think I've said this before, uh, we have a word for um, a husband who loses a wife and a wife who loses a husband. We have a word for children who lose their parents, orphan. We don't have a word for parents that have lost a child, which is rather tragic. It's not meant to happen, is it? It's not bad to happen. And even mentally, it damages you because it's not a pretty... You don't expect that when you give birth, you expect your child to bury you. Automatically in your Mm. brain, it's how it's structured. It's how the puzzle is. But once it happens, now it breaks everything. Nothing makes sense anymore. And you don't understand. It tests your belief in anything. And again, it's like I was telling another parent that lost a child that... (laughs) 
it for me it feels like childbirth. I remember like when Ezam, when I gave birth to Ezam, which is a recent thing I did in April, I was crying to the nurses and doctors and I kept saying, Help me, or I don't want to do this, what what but the pain was so painful that I remember not having a choice but to enjoy with it until she came out. And it's the same feeling I get now that she's gone that I'm crying to everyone around me to be like, help me. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want this. But then I'm I'm reminded by that pain and say that maybe it will only stop once I'm gone. And I don't know, but it's it's so natural. It's a natural play, pain, I mean, that a mother faces that you don't know how to escape it. You know, you can try to take sleeping pills to sleep. You can try to eat or not eat, but it's it's it hurts. It hurts to, I don't know, but sure. it, it's a whipping pain. It's a whipping pain. What has the reaction been towards you from, firstly, the crash itself, which I understand from reports is, was non-compliant with bylaws and legislation? Yes, and she died on a Tuesday in the afternoon when we, me, I was called by a doctor at Framing, and I went there to find her cold, and that image is like, is tormenting my soul and my heart because, you know, I wish that when I got, I found on a bed wrapped in a blanket, she was naked and I wish I could find a drip injected on her body or mm. something. Or it was, you know, I, I didn't understand that there, why there was nothing done to bring her back. Just to leave her in the morning smiling and to find her like that, it's a confusion state. I like in my brain doesn't really make sense. Take us back to the start, though. Uh, when did you enroll as I'm in the crash, and, and did you check on the compliance? What saddens me or what makes me so angry is that as I'm, our plan as a parent was not to enroll her in any daycare. So I have a family in Pretoria, and my partner's family, they are recently in Jobek. So in East London, we have no auntie or uncle that we can just have around to help us with the baby. So what we were doing at that moment as almost only there for like three weeks or two weeks uh, maximum we were taking her there with a referral from a colleague that was having her baby there she started her baby there from the earliest as two weeks old wow. or three weeks old so with that referral and me having as my second baby you know people tell you to ease out don't be too paranoid you have you got this you've done this before with your first child and i thought okay maybe i could drop her there i went we i went with my partner to check house the place we got there we found fewer children and we found a lady she showed us five certificates with her being the principal of the daycare and we asked how many babies do we have and she said oh, she only has three infants that she looks after Ezam will be the third one so i was bit convinced be like oh, you know what i don't i'm not that cautious or worried that much because i just need her to be here for the three weeks while we were waiting for application to move into uh, Southernwood on Heaven Flats mm. that we applied for. We were just waiting for that application to be successful. So we were applying for a two-bedroom flat. It would be a bigger space. And, and uh, my plan, my partner and I, we were planning to just get somebody to be with her in the house at home. We didn't want her to be at the daycare because with my first child, we, she started daycare at the age of three years old. So daycare was never in our menu in terms of raising our kids. So for now, being in East London and isolated from families, 
we were forced to find somebody that where we can drop her during the day while we are busy trying to move, like moving from one flat to another and trying to prepare everything. And the day she died, that was her final official last day. I was making, I was making the final calls at work to find somebody who will be with her that day. So I was, it kills me that I was that close and that late, you know, mm. and I just don't get why, because that was the last day and I did everything in my power. I paid more. I I always, I was so nice to that lady. She was so convincing and she was, she looked like a mom to me. And I, I just don't get it that, why couldn't she even call me if she see her different or anything? I always told her that I'm, I worked in Vincent. I work, I mean, in Vincent, you can call me anytime. Give me a call back or anything. I'll be here in less than five minutes. Yeah. Um, I put, like I was picking her on odd times, meaning that I never today I'll pick at two, tomorrow I'll come at four. But I was always there and present. She knew that I would come anytime, but she failed to tell me that she's dying. How can I don't get why? You know, like how can she allow a doctor to tell me those news? Once again, our condolences on a very, very painful situation for you and your family. Can I ask you in closing, as you await a report from the police on the second autopsy on the 28th of September, what sort of outcome or response would you like to see from organisations like the Buffalo City Metro, who should be applying their bylaws, and also maybe a response from the Eastern Cape Government Social Development Department? For me, it's like I have tried to say this various times, that if there was a story like this before and we read about it and we were made away because apparently there are lots of unregistered daycare in Buffalo City area. And it's so, like looking back before Azam died, we had no idea it whatsoever. There was no news around us. Nobody was talking anything regarding daycares. We had no idea. And if I read even the slightest information about be aware of this, I would change my mind. I would have chose different for my child. But her going like this, it will mean so much for me if she can leave something behind, such as she died and something changed. And Mm. I would like for whoever has the power, whoever's in charge, to change the way things are in terms of daycare and registration. It's not only around registration. People can acquire the certificate, but to look and monitor, have in people who will go evaluate these places that are they good enough, are they in the proper hygiene kind of areas, but besides that, to change the how things are, the system, the volume of kids, who who's in charge, because now the daycare is more like a business, more it's focusing on the money and the fees that they're getting than what they should be doing. And as parents, and especially young upcoming parents, we are always in a rush, meaning you are always focusing on bills, school fees, and like getting your life going until there's holidays or something like that. But nobody, I wish the government can help us to make us aware what's around us, but also not making us aware, but change what's around us. We wish you strength during these difficult times for yourself and your family. Thank you very much for joining us today on Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. All the best. So as we mentioned, there was not just the one baby, but in fact two that died at the same crash on that tragic day in Southernwood, East London. We're joined by Onesimo Manelli. She is the aunt 
of Kwaleshwa Ndongeni, who was the second of the babies to die on the same day. Condolences from our side. Good morning. How's the family doing? Um, good morning, Darren. Um, we are doing okay. We are trying to move forward from the tragic incident, but it's very, very difficult because um, we want to know what happened to our baby as a family. The mother of the child is back at university as she's still busy with her honors. She's also not doing okay there uh, because she's all, she also wants to know what actually happened to her baby. This is the most tragic thing that has ever happened to us. We've never had such an incident ever. So you have not been given a reason yet for the baby's passing away? No, we have not been given a reason yet because um, when we went to forensic, they said um, we must go open a police case. So we opened the police case and then they said now it's going to be a police matter because the police would need to go fetch the results from the forensic so that the results are taken to Cape Town for further testing. So we're waiting for those results from the feather tests that were done in Cape Town. So when we checked with the police about a week ago, um, the police um, said um, they would contact us when the results are back. I understand. And in addition to the emotional toll, there's also a financial cost which comes along with this, and that would have been a shock to the family as well. Yes, as I've said, um, the mother of the child, um, she's still a student herself, uh, busy with her honours, and the grandmother who was living with the child is only a security guard. So um, you can imagine the financial strain that this put put us through as a family because, you know, for a young child, you never think of taking up um, death policy for them. So there was no policy. So for us to be able to buy um, uh, even the casket for the funeral, for us to actually arrange for a funeral at such a short notice, we had to take out a loan. The grandmother had to take out a loan for the funeral because no one had the, the required amount of money that was needed for the funeral. How did the baby end up at this crash? Did you check the credentials? We understand the crash was unregistered and uh, not compliant in all respects. Um, to be honest with you, Darren, let me let me be frank with you. You know, with crashes, you, you, you go by word of mouth. So the grandmother heard uh, around the area where she lived that there's this crash. So she took her kid, um, the grandchild, to that crash. And when you get to the crash, there is a certificate that is hanged there. But you, 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 so when you see that certificate, you'd assume that is the credential for the crash. So I want to um, uh, take out this notion that uh, we knew that the crash was not registered. We never knew about that because when you walk into the crash, there was a certificate that's put up there. So no, no, I don't think anyone ever takes that credential and checks that against a, any database because you see a, a certificate there and you assume that the crash is credited. Going forward, how would you like to see things changed or the system changed to make sure that a tragedy like this doesn't happen again? What I would like change from the entire system when it comes to crashes um, is uh, for, for, for the departments that are meant to be going around checking the credibility of the crashes in a particular area, for that verification to be done annually, so that at least as a parent, you know that you are sending your child to a credible crash.
so yeah. that uh, you know we, we we avoid such um instances because this crash has been in, in our area for a long time for for it to be discovered when this tragic accident happened that in fact the crash was not credit uh, was not accredited we wish you and your family all the best to the grieving process and our condolences once again. We did attempt to obtain comment from a representative and spokesperson for the Eastern Cape government on this issue. Unfortunately, they were unavailable at the last moment, despite having previously agreed. That was The Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann for Thursday, the 23rd of September. That was The Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann.